You're listening to the Gambling Gauchos, part of the Stake in the Plains content network and the Dave Campbell's Republic of Football podcast feed. Just a couple of casino caballeros talking Texas Tech, betting on the Big 12 and beyond. Now, here's Kyle Jacobson and Rob Bro live from the Cardinal Sports Center studio. Welcome to the Gambling Gauchos. I'm Rob Bro. He's Kyle Jacobson. Today, we're taking a look at the 2008 Gator Bowl. There after the 2007 season. We're live in the Cardinals Sports Center studio as we see pots coming out of the uh, tunnel there on the highlight video. You can gear up for football season. It's so close. You can gear up for uh, high school football there at Cardinals. If you need some knee braces or cleats, they've got our special on cleats right now. Go buy and buy some cleats from Cardinals. MyCardinalSports.com online or in person right outside the loop on Slide Road. Kyle, how you doing? Good, man. How are you? Happy 806 day. Happy 806 day. It's a wonderful, wonderful time. It always is in the 806. Did you do anything special to celebrate West Texas today? Man, I live my life as a celebration of West Texas. So okay. anything in particular today, not necessarily. It's just the way my life is. I like that. I like that answer. Uh, the 2007 Texas Tech Red Raiders finished 8-4. and four. Do you know who's favored in this bowl game today, Kyle? I would guess Virginia because I see that they're ranked in the top 20 and we're not ranked. Is that correct? It looked like the Red Raiders were favored by five and a half. Interesting. Which, According to Wikipedia, which I thought was interesting. I was looking up the game earlier today to rewatch it. Yeah, I'm always curious to try to find old spreads because I, when I was, I don't know what, 14 watching this game, I, I didn't probably even know what the spread was like what a spread was and so finding one 15 years later like yeah you don't know if it's reliable and you're kind of like well like maybe I could see that if we were borderline top 25 and Virginia's ranked 20th but um yeah I would not have guessed that oh Vern Lundquist on the call wish we could hear him oh it's the CVS bowl interesting you a big Vern Lundquist guy no. <laughs> Me neither. I don't like Gary Danielson either. I think once upon a time, but uh, anybody who does any profession for like 40, 45 years needs to exit at some point. And he he was doing it too long. So by the end, I was a little bit sour on Vern Lundquist. That he overstayed his welcome? Yeah. Mike Leach with a cup of coffee there. Have you heard Mike Leach's thoughts on coffee? Why he drinks black coffee? Nope. Pretty good thoughts. I'll have to pull them up and have them to you. Okay. It's about about, uh, relishing the bitter experience. That's all you need it for. It's It's about the end of the means, not the process. Interesting. About the result, not the process. Do you remember off the top of your dome who our four losses were this season? I know Texas and Oklahoma State. Probably Missouri if we played them. It was somebody 
Yeah, Missouri. I guess she didn't play Colorado. Could look it up. I think you played Colorado. If you did, you lost that one. They're showing highlights of Chris Long here. Something I was really into as a teenager was looking at mock drafts. I loved that. And I remember seeing Chris Long in the top five of every single mock draft, Howie Long's kid. And they're just showing his highlight reel and that he's unanimous first-team All-American and yada, yada. Thankfully, we have a pretty good offensive line. I don't remember if he got to us much this game or not. But those latter half of the Leach era years, we seemingly always had some dudes on the offensive line. So see if we can handle Chris Long today. Speaking of Howie Long, there he is. Yeah, Oklahoma State, Texas, Missouri, and Colorado. Okay. Missouri was ranked 15th that year. It was a ranked matchup. Colorado was a brutal affair in Lubbock, I believe, and I think it was raining. If that game was in Lubbock. Looks like it was. I was there. Was 2007 still Brad Smith at Missouri or was that Chase Daniel? Uh, Chase Daniel, I believe. Yeah, they had some good teams back then in the Big 12 North. Um, Ruger Raider says, I miss the days when the Gauchos weren't afraid to be the <laughs> toe of the line of copyright laws on YouTube. Trying not to get banned here, man. We'd be banned for a week. Why does CBS list us as T-Tech? I just got triggered by that as well. I was about to complain. What what is that? It's TTU. I've been seeing a lot of of TT on the timeline. Yeah, a lot of the stupid newcomers are... Which, I mean, there's people in the Big 12 that say TT... It's like, sorry, but nobody uses that. Yes, yeah, so you've got Ryland Reed at left tackle, and he was a dude. So yeah. hopefully Chris Long lines up across from him most snaps. This is the, the bones of the team that had such a good season the following year. Yeah, this is freshman Crabtree. So he won the Bletnikoff this year. He's already there. Graham Harrell, this was his second year as a starter. Arguably his best um, statistically. People forget. Brandon Carter, I think, is at right guard there. He was on the 2008 team. I think that's Hamby, too. That's center. So, yeah. A lot of dudes that were on that 2008 squad. Uh, lots of stuff happened this week, Kyle. You want to talk about that? Sure. We did about five hours of <laughs> Twitter spaces on realignment, but a lot of that was talking to fans from the incoming schools, and you and I haven't really had the chance to converse a whole lot on it. Um, and even during our second spaces, you know, it's just it happened so quickly, and then there's rumors about what's happening next. At that time, it was talk about going to 18. That seems to have settled for now, but it was also the weekend, so who knows if that picks right back up. But as it stands now, 
you add all four of the four corners from the Pac-12, which now is basically about to dissolve, at least in any way that resembles its former self. The Pac-4. Yeah. Who knows if there's a Mountain West merger or what happens. Um, but yeah, you're at 16. You have pretty good geographic balance. I think UCF feels a little bit isolated, but everywhere else on the map kind of looks like it makes sense. Not that realignment is about geography anymore, but I think it helps. The frustrating thing to me, Rob, is the day the UCLA and USC news broke last year, everyone was like, well, is the Big Ten going to stop there? Or are they going to take Oregon and Washington? And because they didn't want to be perceived as the ones that knifed the Pac-12, they just didn't do it for a year. So they waited for Colorado to be the first domino two weeks ago now. And I wish we could have just fast-forwarded through all of this a year ago. And had that all happened last summer, maybe we could have released Texas and OU for this coming season, gotten the four corners in for this season, and we would have already been able to turn the page. But now we have this awkward year where everybody's playing a bunch of conference opponents that aren't going to be there next year. And it's just a waste of time on that stupid idea of, well, we don't want to be the ones to kill it. It's like, guys, you took USC. Like it was dead at that moment, whether people want to admit it in hindsight or not. Isn't it kind of anticlimactic that it all finished exactly how we all thought it would a year ago? Yeah, kind of. Like we thought the four corner schools were going to come. We thought Oregon and Washington probably were in the big 10. It's over. You could have done this a year ago. I mean, I could pull up a text. I I don't need to quote it verbatim because the gist of it is 100% clear. I texted somebody that we've interviewed on our Patreon who would absolutely know what Texas Tech's next move would be in something like this. This was like the day that USC-UCLA news broke. And I texted him and I was like, what does this mean for Texas Tech? What do you think happens next? He goes, well, I, I guess we'll go after Utah, Colorado, Arizona, and Arizona State. And it's been 13 months since then, 13 months of Wilner and Canzano episodes and TJ Altimore graphs, all just to arrive at the exact place that most college football fans thought this was going one full year ago. So it, it was a waste of everybody's time. And that part is frustrating. And like you said, anticlimactic. It just feels, Yeah. I don't know. Somebody on the spaces said that uh, it was going to be interesting to watch Pac-12 football this year because it's the last time all those schools are going to play. Now you have the four corner schools all keeping playing each other once they come over. Uh, but USC, UCLA, Cal, Stanford, Oregon State, Washington State, the four corner schools, they're all going to play a lot of games for the last time. Is the Pac-12 going to be the most interesting league this year <laughs> in a lot of ways yeah I mean, they've got really good quarterbacks i think they've got four or five teams that can legitimately compete to win the conference championship and if you win a power five conference with one loss or fewer there's a really good chance of going to the playoff too and i think that was part of their demise was that the on-field product hasn't been great since maybe marcus mariota and the ducks you know he won a heisman they won a playoff game the very first year but since then Nada. And, and so it is weird that their last season in existence is going to be maybe their best competitively, um, at least in a decade, if not longer. Because had they put a product like that on the field, they probably could have all stayed together. Um, 
but yeah, I'm as just a fan of college football, I'm excited to see some of those teams play and some of those quarterbacks play. And it's kind of weird that it it almost feels like it's all for naught. Like yeah, you're playing to win a conference that is not going to exist next year. Like who cares to win the Pac-12 in its final season? Is there some history there? Like do you get do you get uh, extra points for winning the very last Pac-12? Does anybody remember who won the last Southwest Conference game? I don't, and I, I'm usually pretty good on college football history like that. I know who won the last basketball championship. But I don't remember who won the last Southwest Conference football championship. We're the last big eight one. We we tied with like five other teams for the second to last Southwest Conference championship in ninety yeah. four. <laughs> um Texas Tech and Virginia traded three and outs on their first two possessions. And then Tech hit, who I think was Danny Amendola, but maybe I'm mistaken, over the middle for a first down. Now we're across midfield, so starting to get it together offensively. Is that Detron Lewis? No, nope. that's Ed Edward Britton. Oh, Eddie Britt. What was Detron Lewis? Was he 17? 17, yeah. Not bad. My bad, Britain. Baron Batch was also on this squad. We haven't seen him yet. Was Shannon Woods on the squad? I think that's Aaron Crawford in the backfield right now. Oh, we had a free play, but we didn't snap it. We're back to Aaron, Edward Britton. Uh, Rysize says, long hair Graham for the win. So funny you should mention that. I was looking at the roster today. Have you seen Baron Morton lately? Has he grown out his hair? Yeah, he's got a little bit of lettuce. Wondering the uh, the long hair Tom Brady version of Baron Morton. Yeah, and we know from our interview with Trey Wolf that Tyler Shuck is not going to grow it out. He's going to keep the All American quarterback clean cut hairdo. But Baron Morton's letting it letting it hang out a little bit. Interesting. We reading into that. Not really, just something I picked up on. I think all quarterbacks go through that phase. Like, Rodgers had the long hair. Brady had the long hair. Yeah. Graham Harrell had the long hair. Did you catch in the quarterback that Patrick was going to change his hair this year? Have we have we noticed a new haircut from Patrick? I haven't seen one, but that was a funny clip. And his trainer was like, why do you have to cut your mohawk? He's like, dude, I'm about to be – I'm about to have two kids. Like, I can't be 30 and have a mohawk. There's Crab on the tunnel screen for a first down. That was not open at all, so he just ran behind the entire line of scrimmage to the other side of the field. It still got so good 10 yards. Yeah. That is not open at all. Well, let's just <laughs> run around the entire – yep, okay. How many tunnel screens do you think he caught in those two seasons? Like over under 49 and a half. Well, I was going to say 50. Um, <laughs> probably under. I'm probably misremembering that. but I think he just turned him into highlights so often it maybe feels yeah. like that's all he ran, but we know it's not. Oh, he was the tunnel goat. There's Emo down to the 10-yard line. That's uh, North Texas head coach Eric Morris. Hell yeah. Good shot of Leach. Got a comment in the stream. God, I was so hungover watching this game. Yeah, it was New Year's Day, so I imagine a lot of college football fans were hungover watching this game. Oh, man. 
the fall of 2007. No, the spring of 2007. It's getting ready. Nope. It's fall of 2008. Heading into the spring of 2008. That's what I was trying to say. Good grief. That took long enough. Oh, he's number 22 this year. It's Detron Lewis. Speak of the devil. He must have changed jersey numbers because he was 17 at one point, right? At one point, yeah. Okay. Must have been 17 on the 08 team. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Anyways, I was trying to say this was New Year's Eve 2008. New Year's Day 2008. Yes. Good God. It's my, uh, I think that's the first time I ever drank. I was 14, so I wasn't quite there. Well, as far as like, I had like tasted something before then that I wasn't drinking at 14. Look at how wide their defensive end is. It's those splits, man. Yeah. Just looks weird from that end zone cam. He's like 10 yards off the ball. Cowards for what? <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't drinking schnapps. I think that was the first time I ever drank. And then I had to show up early to... Open up the mall kiosk at the uh, campus design store. Seven zero Red Raiders. Nine and a half minutes left in the first quarter. It's about Virginia to be all Virginia, all Virginia for about two quarters. What else do you want to talk about on realignment on the four corners and sixteen teams and all that? Do you want to go to eighteen? We talked about at the end of the first day of realignment when Arizona came over that we were both okay with staying at 14. Then all of a sudden you get the the two extra teams in there and you're at 16 and then immediately start talking about going to 18 because the Big 12 did or the Big 10 did. I I think I'm fine with 16 for several years, I think. Yeah, I am too for a couple reasons. I think part of the reason I wanted to get some teams out West was for the late night inventory. And you're kind of, you're not in an ideal position because you don't have teams that are just actually in the Pacific time zone. I got a lesson in how time zones work. So Arizona, they don't move time zones. They're always mountain time zone. But since they don't observe daylight savings time, they're on Pacific time while in the mountain time zone. So kind of a semantics debate there on if you're in four time zones or not. But the two Arizona schools will play in Pacific time through early November every year. So you combine those two with now three schools in the mountain time zone, BYU, Utah, and Colorado. I think you can piece together some fourth window inventory, which I think would be good for the conference. It certainly beats – a Thursday night game, it beats an ESPN Plus game. So I think that's good. And you, I don't know how the schedule would break out, but ideally you give Arizona and Arizona State each three 7.30 kickoff times locally. That would be a 10.30 Eastern kickoff. That's the fourth window. 
And then each of the mountain time zone schools to 815 local kickoffs. That'd be 1015 on the East Coast. That would be a total of 12 fourth window games in a 13 week season if you count. Well, I guess if you count week zero and a bye, you know, 14 week season. So you can basically be on in that time slot every week, more or less, if you do the scheduling right. So that's one reason. And so I've seen people say, we'll just take Oregon State and Washington State for more late night inventory. But I think you can get there with the current teams. And the reason I don't want Oregon State and Washington State at this juncture is I think you'll look back in five or 10 years. Whenever Florida State finds some resolution with what they're going for right now and go, man, we filled up with Oregon State, no offense, when like Virginia Tech was right there or Louisville or maybe even Miami is right there. And you'd potentially be saying to yourself, like, we're turning away a much better school with more eyeballs, more money, higher attendance, because we filled up and went to 18 going with Oregon State and Washington State earlier. So I don't want to be in that position. I don't think there's really much of a difference stability-wise between 16 and 18. So I'd rather stay put for now. If you could handpick ACC schools today and get to 20, who would you want? In order – Miami, Virginia Tech, and then tied with each other, Louisville and Pitt. Louisville. Pitt for West Virginia. I, I do want to reward West Virginia. I, I heard people talking about, well, we want to, you know, finish off the West Coast and do all this, and that feels like rewarding the West Coast schools that just joined. Why not reward West Virginia? And get more East coast schools in now and then just be East coast to mountains time zone. That makes more sense to me. I do want to ask this, why Miami? Because I, I also love Miami and what Miami in the big 12, that's been my main target in the ACC. But based on the, the layout you just gave, Miami doesn't really fit. They don't have great attendance. I guess they do bring eyeballs because they're Miami, but, I don't know. I think they're a little bit overrated as far as that goes. A few reasons. One, I I think a power five school in Florida, you're not saying no to under any circumstance. That's just such a good footprint for any conference to have. Um, there's a factor. I don't know what you would call this. We need to invent a term for it. But if if we're headed toward a power two type model, It, it becomes a case of like, can we leave this team out? Can we leave team X out of the equation? Schools like Notre Dame, Ohio State, Texas are never, ever, ever going to not have a seat at the table. And I, I don't feel as strongly about Miami in that respect, but a, a school that has what five national titles and two, you know, ESPN 30 for 30 documentaries on two separate dynasties, they would, they would immediately, if they joined the Big 12, be the most likely team in the conference to be on that we-can't-leave-them-out list. And so I think they give you st- stability in that respect, that if they're not in the Big 10 or the SEC, they give your conference credibility and say, look, we can't play a playoff system, a championship game that these guys aren't eligible to make. And when they're good, the attendance will be there. The brand power is unlimited at the U. So, yeah, they've stunk lately, and I, it's one of those programs kind of like Texas. I don't know how somebody can't figure it out because they have 
They have resources. They have advantages. They don't have to leave their state to field a, an elite roster, and yet they haven't won anything significant since, I don't know, 20 years ago. So that part kind of sucks, but that's why I want Miami, and it's close for UCF. All right, on today's uh, segment, Quiz Kyle. Um, Dale says, I feel like Kyle could name more worldwide time zones than 98% of Americans. Big time zone guy. I probably can. I don't even know like what time zone Hawaii is in or what the first time zone east of Eastern is. I know there's like universal, I don't know what they call it, universal time clock, UTC. That's what like all the other time zones are relative to. I also know that this is weird. This is not the answer anybody was looking for. In uh, North Korea, Kim Jong-un has his own time zone that is 15 minutes off of South Korea, and he does it specifically just to complicate matters between the two countries. And so North Korea is on its own time zone. They're not an hour off from anybody. They're 15 minutes off or 30 minutes so that they're not aligned with anybody else. Of course you know North Korea trivia. Uh, Virginia scored, by the way. It's 7-7. to It is. And now it's 9-7. to Graham just got sacked in the end zone, but there is a flag. Uh, Chase with a couple of comments here. I want to sit and wait on the ACC, grab Pitt, Virginia Tech, and Louisville. You can talk me into whoever the fourth is. The Big Ten probably stopped so they can see what Florida State is doing in hopes of Notre Dame. Notre Dame's not joining the Big Ten. Uh, they need a stadium on campus before we add Miami. So apparently we can't talk them into anyone. I think they have a new stadium in the works, or at least plans in the works. And by the way, that flag was on us, intentional grounding in the end zone. So it is nine to seven, Virginia. That was quick. Is that the first play? I don't think so, no. He ran it out to the 25 and somehow threw it out in the end zone. That was, he must have been sacked or something beforehand. Kicking off from the twenty now. So I'll turn the question back to you. Four teams. Let's assume that UNC, Virginia, Clemson, and Florida State are the four that go power two. What are the four teams you want to get to twenty? Ooh, um, Pitt. I like Louisville. Make that right. That should have happened back in the day instead of West Virginia. Miami. You're saying Duke is on the table? Yeah, let's assume that they are, yeah. It would be Duke or NC State. Flip a coin there. You wouldn't try to strong arm Duke into basketball only? No. I I would. I don't know what other choice they would have. Say, no, we're not going to take that offer to play in the best basketball conference in the country. We're going to go to the Sun Belt. What, are you going to have 28 basketball teams? Sure. If it's Duke... Yeah, give me Duke, UConn. Have a full NBA roster. Georgetown, Villanova, St. John's, 32. I don't care. What is this? Are you really the best conference if nobody's playing each other? I don't care. Give me the TV money and don't leave us out of the championship conversation. That's that's what we – it's about survival and having a seat at the table. Yeah, seat at the table. Imagine a basketball conference. Like, okay, let's say we don't get too crazy with basketball only, but let's say we go UConn and Duke plus what we've already discussed. If you have UConn, Duke, 
Kansas, Arizona, those four at the top, plus your Baylor, your Tech, all that. Is he going to go all the way? Yeah, 96 yards. Mm. Sheesh. Right after a safety. I think we changed quarters. So we fast-forwarded a bit on the rewatch. Second quarter, seven minutes left. It's now 16 to 7 pending the, or it will be 16 after the extra point. Damn. Anyways, what were you saying? What? I'm confused by the last comment. I don't know if it's a joke, but it says Tiki and Ronde Barber go off in this game. Tech was lucky to survive. Do they have twins that look like Tiki and Ronde Barber? Um, I think Tiki and Rondé were already in the NFL at this point. Yeah, like by far. Did they go to Virginia? I don't know. So I don't understand that. If it's a joke, it's over my head. I thought they went to – yeah, I don't know. I got to look that up. But, yeah, so like even if you just did two basketball only, you take four full members and then you had UConn and Duke – you have, you'd have UConn, Duke, Louisville, Kansas, Arizona, Baylor, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State. That's an insane basketball conference. Yeah. Like if if Oklahoma State is the most prestigious basketball team in your conference, it's probably not a great basketball conference. But if they're like middle of the rung, middle of the ladder on that rung – uh, which I think they would be if we added all those schools. That's crazy because they have a good basketball history. Yeah, but if you have 24 schools, you playing everybody once? Yeah, you'd have 20 in that scenario. You'd have – well, you'd have 20 full members and then two basketball only. So, yeah, play a 21-game conference slate or trim it down to 18 to mitigate some travel issues. Like, I don't know. UConn doesn't have to go to Utah to play a basketball game. We want them to play Arizona because that would make right. some money, I would I would think. Right. Nobody has to play Utah. Like, you don't have to send UCF to Kansas. Can we kill some basketball programs? Oh, what do you think about the, the mental health of the student-athlete uh, having to travel more? Did you see Eli Drinkwitz's comments? Well, did you see my comments in the Discord on this? Yeah, I'm baiting you a little bit. If I speak, big trouble. I I get that mental health is a real thing. I'm skeptical to believe that somebody in a position that 99% of the world's population would trade places with is having a huge mental health crisis. On an individual basis, obviously it can happen. But if you're telling me that like an Oregon soccer player, who, by the way, they can play half of their conference games at home. They're going to be in a Big Ten travel pod with other West Coast schools. So they're going to play away at Washington, USC, UCLA. And then they can schedule all these regional non-conference games. But you might have to fly across the country three or four times on somebody else's dime to play a game that you're a scholarship athlete for. I'm a little bit like bring out the tiny violin. I know it's not easy to be a student athlete and that flying across the country doesn't make it any easier, 
but also I know that 90% of their classes are online nowadays. I also think there will be some mechanism where if you fly to, if you're Oregon and you're a softball player at Oregon and you fly to Ohio State for a conference game, uh-huh. they'll probably just make it kind of a road trip where you go from Ohio State to Indiana before you fly all the way back to the West Coast. They're not. Everybody always picks the two furthest apart schools and go, oh, so Rutgers is going to fly to UCLA every weekend. Yeah. No. And, okay, in the Big 12 – the conference, oh, well, I guess the SEC probably makes the most regional sense at this point, but the Big 12 is probably next. Next year, very good chance Texas Tech goes to Eugene, Oregon, to Ames, Iowa, to Orlando, Florida. It's the professionalization of college sports. We all wanted it to be this way. And we can say that we didn't, but we vote with our dollars and our eyeballs. And this is the market is reacting. We all wanted NIL for the players. They get a bigger platform now to grow their personal brand by playing in these mega conferences, these super conferences. And if it's not what you want, you have a year till this sets in. Everybody gets a free transfer. Um, so hit the portal. And I just, don't, but overall, I don't buy the sentiment like, oh, well, this local kid in Oregon, they wanted to play nearby for their family. Now they're going to be shipped off to the East Coast every weekend. It's not going to play out that way. Three quarters of your games, at least will be either home games or in your same time zone through regional non-conference games or by playing in a travel pod with your fellow Big Ten mates that are also on the West Coast. So I, think you, it's, I think it's an overblown concern is basically the gist of what I'm saying. If you only – the on the just hop in the portal comment um, that I saw a lot today, like where are you going? Like if you're in the Big Ten currently or in the Pac-12 that's going to the Big Ten – the Big 12 has the same amount of travel concerns. I don't well, think it does. Well, it, like, okay, let's say if you transfer to Utah, now you're you're having to go to West Virginia. Maybe once. Right, that's what I'm saying. Is but, it worse than the but, Big 10? No, no. BYU and West Virginia have already played each other in a non-conference football game. Right. And nobody threw a fit about mental health. They voluntarily scheduled it. Everybody signed up for it. Well, BYU and Utah are in the same state. Utah, uh, BYU and West Virginia right. played a non-conference game against each other. Yeah. So this is not a new thing. This has already happened. Right, but I was just saying, like, you can't just go to another conference willy-nilly and not have travel. That's what I'm saying. Travel is part of the game. You, you, the G5 conferences are more regionally argue. aligned. You can go to the SEC where it's more regionally aligned. Right, but you have to have a fit. You can't just jump in the portal and magically it, get an SEC school. Any player at Oregon can transfer to the West Coast Conference for any Olympic sport and, and oh. be had on a roster there. Yeah, West Coast Conference, but if you're trying to play power... That's what they're asking me to cry them a river about. Well, I told my parents I was going to play close to home. Well, 80% of your games are still going to be close to home. And if, right. if, if you never want to leave the West Coast, then go play in the West Coast Conference. Right. Life is about trade-offs. Like, you take a promotion, you're expected to work harder, work longer. If you don't want the promotion, that's fine. People have different work-life balance thresholds. Don't take the promotion, spend more time with your family. But you, you, don't, you can't have it all. You can't take... You can't request the salary that comes with the promotion, but the hours that go with the mid-management role. And all your games are on TV now. Yeah, your parents can watch you anywhere. It, 
dude, I played Division three football in Texas. We were in a conference with teams from Indiana and Ohio. No scholarships, no NIL, and certainly no tears shed for the student athlete and mental health and all that. And we didn't have a problem with it. Like if you're flying me out to anywhere on a with a free plane ticket, I'll I'll do it. So I think that's kind of making a mountain out of a molehill. So what but you that, say Dorkowitz is an idiot. Well, he is not because of those comments, but um, he said he he did reference something though that like lack of rest is apparently a huge indicator for mental health. Yeah. Um, and so I, I do think that these things should be considered. I don't think that you should just draw a name out of a hat and say, "Oh, here's what the schedule is going to be like." I'm all for making regional pods that make this where you have one kind of stupid, crazy away game. Like that seems manageable to people without, okay, UCF is going to go to Provo and then West Virginia is going to go to Provo. Like if you, if you make the pods in a way that is smart and for the Olympic sports, if you do away game scheduling in a way that is smart, I don't foresee a bunch of student athletes flying back and forth across the country. I think you can make the, logistics work out on this should the bus drivers and truck drivers for these teams get raises i don't know what they make now but sure per mile the bus drivers aren't driving anymore but these uh, truck drivers certainly are the long haul units carrying equipment across the country but that's again where it makes sense to go ohio state to indiana back to oregon yeah so like in basketball and i'm, and I'm not i'm not going to pretend to be an expert on all the olympic sports uh, in fact, I'm not an expert on anything. But in basketball in the Big 12, you play every Saturday, and then you play either Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. So if you're UCF and you have some stupid trip out to Provo on a Saturday, why not just play in Salt Lake City, which is 45 minutes away on Monday? Like, you just change hotels Sunday. Nobody has to fly back and forth across the country, and you make the flight once. You play two games. You fly back. And that's probably the longest flight you have to make all season. Because you only play nine away games. And so we would imagine most of them, they're going to play West Virginia and Cincinnati would be their two close ones. Orlando to Houston is an easy flight. Now, if the schedule makers are stupid and they do have it where UCF goes to Ames one day and then they fly back to Orlando to play a home game, then they fly back to Provo, then back to Orlando, then back to Salt Lake City. Yeah, that's stupid. And we should. But it doesn't have to be that way is all I'm saying. There's a smart way to do the scheduling. In the Lone Star Conference in basketball, they play home-home. They'll just stay there and play twice in a week. You could also do that in the in the Big Ten. Yeah, we've also in baseball, I don't know how this would work, but you know, Texas Tech has hosted, I think it was like Michigan and another team, and like all three teams kind of played each other over uh-huh. the course of four or five days. I don't know if you could do that in conference play at a at a neutral site or you just count it as road games for – I don't know how that would work. Like if if BYU and UCF both came to Lubbock and all three teams played each other over the course of four or five days, I don't know how that would count for home and away when BYU and UCF play each other. Right. Um, I don't know, just spitball in there. Sheer five minutes ago, San Diego State and the Beavers in preliminary talks at the Big 12 of the last 48 hours would be at a discounted rate. Gross. Yeah, I don't. The comment says gross, but I also say gross. I don't love that. 
I mean, it's good Pacific time zone inventory. Is it? I mean, yeah, you're. It's Pacific time zone. Is it good? Yeah, Oklahoma State traveled to Corvallis in 2019, and they got right under 800,000 views on Fox Sports One. A Fox Sports One broadcast among Big 12 teams on a college football Saturday is about half that on average. So, yeah, I would rather Oklahoma State play in Corvallis in the fourth window and get double the viewers than if they play that game on FS1 or ESPN+. Plus. Apparently, Dale is Chuck. How many names does this guy have? <laughs> Virginia is now up 18-7. to seven. Right before the half, they're about to kick a field goal. And they make it. So it's 21 to 7 at the break. Texas Tech had one really efficient drive, march right down the field, but nada besides that. We also didn't mention another safety. Yes. There's two safeties in the first half. That's the oddest 21 I've ever seen. A touchdown, a field goal, two touchdowns, a field goal, and two safeties. Football is so funny, though, how it can correct itself. Because like twenty-one to seven looks like the most normal football score ever. Yeah, this happened when Alabama and LSU rematched each other in the twenty eleven title game. I think it was. Um, it was all field goals, and then they finally scored a touchdown. So Alabama had fifteen. It was all field goals, and they scored a touchdown to make it twenty-one, and their kicker missed the extra point. And so, rather than a funky looking score like twenty-two to whatever it looked like they scored three touchdowns and they didn't. So anyway, that, that's funny in football that you can kind of massage some of that by either going for two or I don't know, adding a safety. It just kind of like has a way of evening itself out sometimes. Uh, but, the only thing I like about Oregon state coming to the big 12 is they just totally screw Washington state and the moron or the AD feeding a false narrative for six months, 12 months. What, what, are, what are your thoughts on the Arizona state? AD still not getting in line and talking about never going to Morgantown. Yeah, I will answer that question, but just real quick, San Diego State, I probably like better than Oregon State. Interesting. Because it's San Diego, the market. TV yeah, market, I, th- I think there's more potential there. Growth potential? Yeah. And I think, like, if you're going to have a presence in Mexico, I think that fits San Diego State better than it fits Oregon State. Um, what did you ask me? Oh, Arizona State. Yeah, like, even if you don't want to be here, you have to kind of fake it till you make it a little bit. Because, like, your athletic department come 2024 is going to have to try to sell season tickets and recruit. And if your president and your AD are so publicly just, like, arms crossed oh yeah i guess we'll go to the big 12 we tried everything we could to not go here how do you then go into a recruits living room and go hey you're about to play a great football schedule against some of the best teams in the country it's just stupid from a from a business perspective yes you have to act like it even if if behind closed doors you hate it that's fine we all do stuff in life especially professionally that we don't necessarily want to do surprise on side to start the third quarter and texas tech is on it I did not remember that part of this game. That's why it's a surprise onside. You never see it coming. Fuller. So Daniel Charbonnet there. Shout out to Daniel Charbonnet. Is it fair to say? Oh, that's Cody Fuller. 
Cody also Fuller. Played baseball. God rest his soul. Uh, he was older than that, I think. Is he here in 07? I, it was close. He was on the Holiday Bowl team. I remember that. So if he was Holiday Bowl as a freshman, he could have been a senior this year. Maybe. But I thought he was – I don't know. I need to brush up on my uh, – do we fumble it on the very oh, next play? Fumble it right back. Oh, goodness. I think we just lost it. Yep. Is Chris Long 91? Yeah. Was he bigger in college than he played in the NFL? He looks like it. <laughs> Good God. Like 50 pounds bigger than the end of his career, maybe. No, I guess we recovered it. They're giving us the ball back. Maybe he was down. Um, What were we talking about before the surprise onside? Uh, Arizona State. Act like it. Yeah. We all do stuff prof- professionally that we don't want to do. But if your boss asks you to do something that you don't want, you have to say yes, sir, or yes, ma'am. You don't get to pout about it. Um, yeah, I, just, I honestly thought that was bizarre, watching that 15-minute clip or so with both of them taking questions from Arizona State media. And, yeah, immediately just trashing a city that is now a conference mate of yours, like, oh, I promise yeah. I'm not going to Morgantown. And then offered a chance to clarify today. He doubled down. I was like, I assure you I am not going to Morgantown. Like, what and is, is up it- with that? Is it because he thinks Morgantown's some small podunk town, or is it just too far away for him? I saw a fan taken up for him that there was context missing and that he didn't want to go somewhere cold. But I bet Morgantown in November is not any colder than the Utah schools or Colorado, right? He didn't want to go somewhere cold? Well, that's like so Pac-12 it hurts. Like, Oh, my God. We've seen over and over just little examples of why they are the way they are and why that conference failed and like, oh, well, we don't want to play football in the cold. It's like perfect. Like none of your teams are tough enough to go to Pullman in November. Say That's Ames. A- <laughs> like say somewhere actually cold. I guess Morgantown is cold too, but. He has to go now. And like somebody has to photograph him on the sidelines during the first Arizona State game in Morgantown. Oh, yeah. and That'd be beautiful. And he definitely fumbled that. I don't know what that ruling was. Oh, it looked like the side judge was saying forward progress. Hmm. What were your thoughts on Arizona State? The same. Like, you just can't – there's some things you just can't say. That's one of them. To – to like, if I was a new AD in a new conference, I would be saying, man, I can't wait to get into these college towns and – go around it's a different field than what we had in the pac 12 but i'm looking forward to it uh it's certainly not exactly what i'm used to but uh that's what's happening like i can't do anything about it this is our lot in life and i'll say man for all the talk about utah over the last year there's chris long harold got away and threw it away but almost got to him there for all the talk about Utah – oh, that wasn't Chris Long. Different dude. Misread the jersey number. I think Arizona State is what people think Utah fans are because, like, Utah had the pig bus guy, and he was really noisy and yeah. derogatory. But nine out of ten Utah fans that we talked to in those two Twitter spaces, which we recorded, you can find them on our Twitter profile if you want to go back and listen. 
they were all like, no, we're excited. We think we're a good fit in the Big 12. We're excited to see passionate fan bases, full stadiums. We didn't have that in the Pac-12. And so, like, yeah, they have, they have some annoying fans on Twitter that are braggadocious and think they're going to walk in here and run the conference. But honestly, Arizona State's administration, I think, was the ones dragging their feet more than Utah's. There was even reports that Utah was, like, right behind Arizona in applying for membership. And Arizona State was a school that had to be dragged along. And I've seen some Arizona State fans say, oh, well, this is just our administration. They suck. We want to be in the Big 12. But a lot of Arizona State fans also seem to be just pouting about the new conference they're in. So power ranking the the newcomers, you have to give it to Colorado because they jumped before anybody else, not knowing if anybody was going to follow. Second is Arizona. They've always seemed the most open-minded to it, both fans and administration. I would put Utah ahead of Arizona State in terms of teams most excited to come to the Big 12 and fans that I've enjoyed interacting with over Arizona State at this point. I've not seen much of Arizona State. I know you uh, tweeted, are there any Arizona State fans, and got some comments, but they you kind of have to beg them to tweet back at you. And they, you know, they immediately went to Kalen Balazs 2016, which like is kind of funny, but it's like I already memed that and said Big 12 legend Kalen Balazs. Right. And like we won a and bowl game. The following year. Yeah, we beat you since then. We won a bowl game where y'all were 13 point favorites a couple years before that. Yeah. Like you, you really think a non con game from a year we didn't even go to a bowl is. So they've got to up the game there too. And I, I wanted Arizona State this whole time. I thought the two Arizona schools were always a good fit to be in the same conference as Tech, but they're being pouty, sore losers about it. It's one way to say it. Has Mark Harlan tweeted since Utah joined? Mark Harlan got hammered by um, uh, freezing cold takes. The get real, or or what did he say? Was it get real? Yeah, something like that. Or he said, give me a break. Give me a break, yeah, on a realignment tweet. Well, he also – he flamed John Kurtz after the Pac-12 championship game because Kurtz noted that the viewership was significantly lower than the Big 12 championship game. And he said something to the effect of, and that's with the Pac-12's biggest brand, which is about to leave the conference. Right. And Utah's AD was just saying, like – he was making a joke saying that Utah was a bigger brand than USC, and he said, we're not leaving – and then fast forward eight months. Yeah, you are leaving. Get ready to learn Big 12, buddy. That meme is hilarious that I keep saying. <laughs> it's all get ready to learn Mountain West, buddy. <laughs> oh, man. Get ready to learn Truck Stop, buddy. And I have so many Canzano tweets in the drafts. I'm, I almost feel bad doing it. Do you? And I probably won't. But if you look back at what he said for 14 months now, it's just like wrong, 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 wrong. And just epic face plants. Like not just saying that no Big 12 team is – or no Pac-12 team is going to join the Big 12, but going so far as like, you know, is your mark just trying to prove that he's doing something in his new job? And Right. I talked to one Pac-12 AD who said it's absolute nonsense and it's pathetic that the Big 12 even thinks they can poach a Pac-12 team. It's like it's one thing to say, like, you know, hey, I think Texas Tech is going to win the game next weekend. It's another to be like, oh, we don't even belong on the same field as them. We're going to beat them by 50. And then to lose while you've called for accountability from others and take none, which he still hasn't. 
And he's not going to because that's the kind of person he is. He's revealed right. a lot about himself. How about that other guy? He's a reporter in Tucson who was like, oh, are you kidding me? We have to go to Hanson, Stillwater and Lubbock. Now he goes, you know, you have to take a bus to all these truck stop destinations. I was like, dude, there's a direct flight from Phoenix where all your alumni live to Lubbock. It'll take you, I don't know, an hour and a half to get here. And then it's a 10-minute Uber to the Overton. I've had him on the show before, Greg Hansen. Brutal. Not this show, obviously, but. He's trying road. to list all these good athletes. He's like, you're leaving the conference of. John Bill, Wayne. He Bill led Walton. I was like, dude, well, welcome to the conference with Barry Sanders and, you know. Oh, he led with John Wayne, though. Kansas invented basketball. Like, what are we doing here? Yeah. You know, I didn't get that vibe from him when I interviewed him, but man. And he's not been outspoken at all during realignment. What if you go to his from what, I, from what I've seen? If you go to his Twitter profile two tweets ago in late July, he was like, The reason the Pac twelve failed is arrogance and hubris. And then he tweets that. <laughs> what? Touchdown Danny Amendola in the corner of the end zone to make it 21-14 in the third quarter. So the surprise onside kick does net some points for the Red Raiders. Ten minutes left in the third quarter. Pre-facial hair, Danny Amendola. Yeah, he looks better with a beard. Just looks so young. In my opinion. So let's talk – let's assume – for the sake of argument that you stay at 16. Yeah. Hey, wait, hold on. Do you want to tell the fine folks about Rojino barbecue real quick? I do. Um, <laughs> this is funny. The an hour in a Utah fan was talking about how they have better Mexican food than Texas, which was obvious bait. Um, but there's going to be some barbecue talk is like, we got a recommendation from our BYU guest, uh, Spencer Linton. Of course, the pig bus guy, he, cooks up a whole pig every every tailgate we might have to take um our new coming friends to Rahino barbecue when they visit lubbock or ship some out there it is the best barbecue in west texas the best barbecue in the big 12 i'll even go as far as to say that now open seven days a week at Rahino market and is it five days a week at the actual location this week they'll be open wednesday through saturday okay sweet all that today hit them up in olton if you're making plans to come to lubbock for a home game put that on your list of to do while you're in west texas can't miss it's all good rahino bbq.com order ahead to make sure your food is there when you arrive and give them a follow on social at rahino bbq so let's say you stay at 16 teams Mm -hmm. i know that to be a contrarian and whatnot you're anti-pods are you sticking with 366 or will you join me on the pods hype train? Who's anti pods? I thought you were an anti pod guy. When do we uh, when do we decide that? Or no, okay, no, I, I retracted. You were an anti divisions guy when it was 12 teams. Yeah. I'm pro pod. Okay. You're pro pod? Always have been. You agree that so it's it's easy. You put the two Utah schools and two Arizona schools in a pod, right? Uh-huh. Where it gets a little tricky is like 
Iowa State, but I'm putting Iowa State with the two Kansas schools and Colorado in a Big Eight pod. Are you with me there? Yes. I like Colorado reuniting with the Big Eight schools. And here's where it gets a little dicey because West Virginia and Cincinnati obviously go together. UCF goes with them. It's the fourth team. Is it Iowa State or is it Houston? I vote Houston because you don't have a ton of history there, but Houston's been in the same conference with UCF and Cincinnati. They have a little bit of history and rivalry there. I do not want all four Texas schools in a pod together. I want three Texas schools, Tech, TCU, Baylor, with Oklahoma State. Do you agree with me there? Yes, and I would would assume they would just want two Texas schools together. I feel like they'd pair two Texas schools – just because that's easier to get everyone playing in Texas. Um, but the most sense to me, I'm just saying what the conference would like. What I would want is what you're saying. The three Texas schools, Houston out east, and then Oklahoma State with the three legacy Texas schools. Here's where the pod system gets even better, in my opinion. Not only do you have natural groupings of four, like we just outlined, I think you also have natural pairs of twos. So – Within the Texas Tech pod, I think Tech and Oklahoma State go together mm-hmm. and Baylor and TCU go together. Mm-hmm. And the East pod, West Virginia and Cincinnati go together. UCF, Houston go together. Space race, you can't stop. Space race, baby. Top rivalry in the new Big 12. <laughs> the Sunflower State schools go together. And then maybe a kind of strange pairing, but Iowa State and Colorado, you make them partners. Two Arizona schools go together. Two Utah schools go together. Here's why that's important. In the pod system, you play everybody in your pod in football. We'll get to basketball in a minute. And then you play two schools from the other three pods. So that's six out-of-pod games, three in-pod games, nine conference games. Here's why it's important to make pairs within the pods. Like you're saying, people are going to want to play in Texas a certain amount of times. They're probably not want to go to or play both Utah schools in the same year or both Arizona schools in the same year. And so, like, let's take that far west pod. You would play Arizona and BYU one year, and then you play Utah, Arizona State the other year so that you're not playing both Arizona schools or both Utah schools. Same with – so you would play one of Baylor or TCU if you're outside that pod to kind of get you close to DFW. Um, Cincinnati, West Virginia, very close together. You'd have to travel to one or the other, but not both. So that's how I would like to do it. You wouldn't play both Kansas schools in the same year. If they're not in your pod, you'd play one or the other. So you're always playing a team from Kansas. That's how I would like to see it done. Crabtree getting taped up on the sideline. Texas Tech with the ball down 21-14. What about basketball? Good question. So you play your pod home and away. That's six conference games. And then you play everybody else. That would be 12 more. Uh, rotating home and away every other year, 18 conference games. You play everybody every year in basketball. But same deal. You pair Arizona and Arizona State together, so you travel 2-1, you host the other. You host BYU, you go to Utah. You host Colorado, you go to Ames. You host Kansas, you go to Kansas State, and so on and so forth. And it's the same way for everybody else. They get to host one of Kansas or Kansas State, and they go to the other. That's why the pairs within the pods are so important to work out. And then the pair with Texas and Oklahoma State. Texas Tech and Oklahoma State is the only non-state. Um, Colorado and Iowa State 
Houston, UCF, got gotcha. Cincinnati, West Virginia are also not in the same state. But yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I'm in. It's perfect. There's not a flaw with it. There, there's one flaw with it, but I've got it covered. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Did you see this so, coaching list? What is this? At West Point at the same time, Bill Parcells, Bob Knight, Coach K, and Arthur Ashe. That is a serious collection of talent. <laughs> All at West Point at the same time. Oh, what a fumble recovery. Oh, you missed it. Did he get Tech it back? Had it. No, we had it out across oh. midfield. Had two chances to cover the fumble, and both guys muffed it. Crabtree getting his cleats back on. So what's the fatal flaw? First, do you want to give a sponsor to our or a shout out to our new sponsor? Yeah, you tell me the flaw and then I'll pull up the information. Good call. So the flaw is that in my opinion, your three primary rivals in the new Big 12 are Oklahoma State, TCU, Baylor. They would be in your pod, you play them every year in football, you play home and home every year in basketball. I would consider Arizona and Houston as your secondary rivals. Houston from the Southwest Conference days, it's in-state. Arizona from the Border Conference days. I don't want to manufacture more than there already is with Houston, and so I'm fine not playing them every year in football. But I still want to play Arizona every year in football. How do you remedy that if you only play them twice every four years, home and away? I will tell you right after you do this ad read. If you want to go fishing in legendary Baffin Bay, contact Captain Preston along with Reckham Outdoors. Uh, they do a little wade fishing out there. So wade out into Baffin Bay, throw out the, the hook, catch some big old fish. If you want to see how big the fish are, follow them on Instagram, Reckham Outdoors. Giant fish. Have you perused the Instagram, Kyle? Yes, it's pretty insane. I was getting roasted last week for being so excited about these giant fish, but I love a good fish picture. Go look at it for yourself if you don't if you don't believe the hype. Give him a follow as well as well. Reckham Outdoors on Instagram. You can also find him online, reckhamoutdoors.com. So in 2019 and 2021, actually I'm gonna back it up further. I'm gonna go back to the border conference days. Back in the day, it was actually hard to make a bowl game. You didn't get an auto invite just for beating an FCS school, a group of five school, and then going under 500 in conference play. Right. In the border conference days, which was the first conference Texas Tech was a part of, they were there for, I don't know, 30-ish years. You had to win the conference, and you got an invitation to the Sun Bowl in El Paso. Now, it wasn't played at Sun Bowl Stadium that exists there today. That wasn't built till I think, 1962. But if you ever look at Texas Tech's bowl history, other than a 1939 trip to the Cotton Bowl, it's like Sun Bowl, Sun Bowl, Sun Bowl, Sun Bowl. And that's why. That was pretty much the only tie-in for the Border Conference. And Texas Tech won the Border Conference nine times. It's more than any other Border Conference member in history. So the Sun Bowl was an important part of your early history as a football program. I propose that to pay homage to the Border Conference days and to – establish and maintain and re-up a rivalry with Arizona, you play them at the Sun Bowl every two years when it's not a conference game. I'm not for neutral side conference games. So you play them in Tucson and Lubbock twice every four years, and then the other two years, meet them halfway in El Paso, play at Sun Bowl Stadium. It seats 50,000 people almost exactly halfway between the two campuses. 
and lean into both schools' history in the Border Conference, build a rivalry, and play it as a non-conference game. Is there any precedent for conference opponents playing each other as a non-conference game? Yes, there is. North Carolina and Wake Forest did this in 2019 and 2021. They, of course, are both members of the ACC. It's an in-state rivalry game that they wanted to continue, even though they weren't on each other's schedule as conference opponents. And so they played a non-conference game. Here's where it gets even better, Rob. Arizona has on their schedule from 2024 through 2027 a home-and-home with BYU, which was supposed to be an out-of-conference Power 5 game that will be now be a conference game. And Kansas State also was supposed to be an out-of-conference Power 5 game. Now is a Big 12 game. They're going to need help replacing that. It's hard to do on short notice. Texas Tech, kind of the same. We have Oregon State coming up. They're no longer a Power 5 team. And maybe a year where we don't have a Power 5 on the schedule at all. 2034, Texas Tech and Arizona are supposed to play each other as non-conference opponents. So this would help both teams have another Power 5 game in the non-con that they otherwise might not be able to fill. But there's some mutual interest there because they're both going to want a Power 5 non-con game, but it's going to be hard to schedule somebody else that isn't also going through this kind of same round of realignment. So that's what I propose, playing Arizona every year, home and home when it's a conference game, and at the Sun Bowl in El Paso as a non-conference game in your off year. I'll be honest, I don't like it, but uh, it could grow on me. You just said something that, uh, let's see. Why don't you like it? You're going to have to, I just would rather play uh, somebody else that's not a conference game. Okay. I don't I don't not like it. I just it wouldn't be my first choice with, to play Arizona outside of conference play. For all the whining about travel and everything, this is another opportunity for both schools to get on a flight for an hour sure. yeah. and have some travel consistency. I would yeah. imagine both have I know Texas Tech has an alumni base there and a health sciences center campus there. I would imagine there's a fair amount of recruiting done in El Paso by Arizona and alumni that live there. Good presence if you're going to do Big 12 Mexico. Yeah. I think that that also kind of – you could tie it in and say we're going to have a presence in the southwest United States on the border. I was looking at uh, future schedules. If Mm -hmm. Oregon State joins, they're in 25 and 26 on the Texas Tech schedule. And I thought Arizona was sooner, but Arizona's in 2034. Yeah. Which is, I guess, what you said. I think it way back it was supposed to be 2020. It was just supposed to be right after that 2019 game. But, and I guess 2034 was as early as you could get it on the books uh, for both schools when you had to reschedule it. That's frustrating. So that's – you're going to – yeah, that's not going to count. All right, you ready for uh... – Yeah, did you tell me – you said that I said something. Did you finish that thought? That, that's what I was looking at. Oh, okay. You said uh, the future scheduling. I was just looking at. I thought there were more conference games. I thought Arizona State was on there again, and I thought I thought Arizona was sooner with Oregon State. Virginia just scored again. It was 21-14. They found the end zone with 11 and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter. They've got a new quarterback in the game. And they yeah, just ran a, pointing at the leg. They just ran a screen pass to the running back, and he housed it. 
So it's about to be 28-14 after the extra point with 11 and a half minutes left. This The running back was the same one that had the 96-yard touchdown run. He is the MVP of this game along with Graham Merrill. It's not often a loser gets the MVP trophy. It's only happened once in Super Bowl history. Do you know who it was? That's a good question. Should I? Maybe. What What team was it? I think the Dallas Cowboys. Oh. I have no idea. Was it Roger Staubach? I want to make sure that I have this right before I spread fake news. Tony Dorsett? No, this is right. He's a Big 12, Big 12 legend. Chuck Howley from West Virginia. Huh. He, <laughs> he was he was Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl six, his team won, the Cowboys. But Super Bowl five, he was named MVP despite being on the losing team. And to this huh. day, what fifty plus Super Bowls later, he's the only guy to have ever done that. Eric Morris talking major trash on the sideline there. We love it. Oh, man. Yeah, and Chuck Howley, we didn't talk about this yet, but we need to. Chuck Howley is in the Hall of Fame class this year with Zach Thomas. And DeMarcus Ware. Yeah, DeMarcus Ware didn't go to Texas Tech, so. Well, neither did Chuck Howley. He's a Big 12 legend. (laughs) Big 12 legend, Chuck Howley. He was on Yeah, Zach Thomas, did you like his uh, speech? I loved it. I thought – you know, it fit him and his story really well. Uh, I I guess I should have known this because I couldn't have named anyone else, but I saw that he's the first Texas Tech player to make it to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Which I, I hadn't seen it mentioned that way. But again, thinking back, I was like, well, I would know if somebody else from Tech was in the Hall of Fame. So that's really cool. The fact that he's from Pampa and, you know, Mahomes was a top 10 pick and he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. He could retire today and be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. But the fact that Zach Thomas, you know, wasn't getting a lot of attention out of high school, was undersized, kind of fits that blue collar West Texas chip on your shoulder thing to a T. And yeah, I just thought his um, his tribute to his coaches, his teammates, Junior Seau, I loved all of it. And, you know, it just made me really proud to, to see him in that position. It's a long time coming. I thought he should have been, you know, basically first ballot. I think yeah. his career resume warrants that. But uh, all is well that ends well. Very deserving for him. And, yeah, made me really proud to be a Red Raider. All right. 11 minutes left, fourth and four at your own 30. They're going for it. Does Joey go for this? Probably, yeah. Yeah. 100%. The analytics, they go for it. I don't remember if we make this. We were on the same play that just got swatted down at the line of scrimmage. This time it's complete to Emo for a first down. Emo talking again. My favorite part of the Zach Thomas uh, comments was him saying he came here to play fullback, and then uh, he couldn't beat out Bam Morris, so they put him back at linebacker. I thought that was a funny line. All right, you ready for uh, mailbag? Yes, the Barnett, Howard, and Williams Discord mailbag. Barnett, Howard, and Williams Law Firm, bhwlawfirm.com if you want to learn more about them. Excited to have them back. They're going to be the mailbag sponsor, I guess, for 27 more days. And then they'll be the Gauchos After Dark sponsor. Every Saturday night, 
Uh, we will recap that weekend of college football. BHWLawFirm.com if you want to learn more about them. Three double Texas Tech grads. They handle all kinds of cases. Catastrophic injury, criminal defense, Title IX student litigation. They hope you never need them, but they're here for you if you do. And we appreciate their support of the Gambling Gauchos. You've got mail. Mail time. I found these in my mailbag. Well, it's time to reach into the old mailbag here. Enjoy reading the fan mail. Don't read it all at once. Any mail for me? You don't have a tic tac, do you? Did I get any mail? No. Why not, honey? Uh, question for Rob. Who has been your favorite mailbag fill-in host? Well, you only had one, so I'll go with Chuck. Uh, question for Rob. Should Kyle ever come back? He's already back. Never left. Well, there's another question for you. What was your medical emergency? I might have accidentally said you had a medical emergency to miss last week. Yeah, I think you said I was getting a kidney replacement or something. Oh, you listened to that? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Let's get to the real questions. Chris uh, Long is getting on our ass right now. It is third and long, 28 to 14, four and a half minutes left. No way we win this game, right, Rob? No way. Grass in the helmet. Chris Long was a badass in college. You don't see grass in the helmet anymore because nobody plays on grass. It's all turf. Yeah. That is in his face. Yeah. Ooh, what a move. He is he whooped, huge. He whooped the right tackle's ass on the last play, and then he whooped the left tackle's ass on that one. Uh, all right. If you could be hired as a GM for one perennially bad sports team with the intent of winning a championship, who would it be and why? That's a good question. Um, I would say it would have to be a major league baseball team because there's no salary cap. Like it's hard in the NBA or the NFL because of the cap. That's why even like the good teams in the big markets struggle to. Your twins. Maintain a dynasty. I don't know. I'm trying to think of like an underachieving, probably like the Padres. I, th- I think the Padres, they obviously went all in on a bunch of talent, but an organization like that, that would be attractive to free agents. Hey, come play in Southern California. And as long as you could get the financial backing for it, so we're just going to outspend everybody until we can match the Dodgers and the Yankees payroll. Um, I think the Texas Rangers could probably do that too. If they wanted to start throwing money around. Another fourth and four converted to Danny Amendola this time. Graham is 42 of 65 right now. At the 20. 42 of 65. Make it 42 of 66 because the running back has no hands. Hands like a snake. I'd go in the NFL. I'd, I'd take the Lions to the Super Bowl. The Lions. Good luck, buddy. I'm supremely confident that I could run an NFL team. I, yeah, I kind of think I could too. Or uh, it feels like NBA would be the easiest because you really just need two players. I guess you need a big three. Did Crabtree catch that? Oh, my gosh. What a stud. The flag is surely going to be defensive pass interference, and he caught it basically one-handed anyway. 
the DB with his hands up. What can I what? What can I do about that? Can I not mug him while the ball's in the air? There's literally nothing else that guy could have done. No. 28-21-331 left in the game. That reminds me that this catch, this play reminds me. Did you see the clip from Texas Tech football today of Shuck to McCray? Yes. He's out of bounds. His foot was out. Are they going to review this and call it back? Nope. Okay. <laughs> I mean, never mind. He was in. was totally in. What are you talking about? Totally in. Um, That looked like a perfect throw, a great catch, and it was C.J. Baskerville in coverage. I don't think he could have done anything more. Uh-uh. So I'm not – you know, sometimes you see those clips in spring. You're like, oh, a 60-yard touchdown. Is our offense good or does our defense suck? Yeah. That looked like a good play by everybody, and it was just – I guess McCray won the battle, but if Baskerville's in coverage like that on dudes all season, there's not going to be many completions. That was Michael Crabtree's 22nd touchdown reception this season, tied third most in NCAA history. Hazard from Houston and Larry Fitz from Pitt. Edmore. If you're on a list with Larry Fitzgerald as a wide receiver, you're doing all right. Uh, I don't think we go on side here. I think we kick it off and try to get the ball back, if I recall correctly. Not set up for an onside. You can't use the surprise onside. You already did that earlier this half. But Virginia's got 10 guys up 10 yards off the ball, so they're playing for it. At least we're not waving our arms around like jackasses. <laughs> uh, we send it out of the end zone, so Virginia will get the ball. Their quarterback's still not coming. Did he get benched or is he hurt? Not familiar enough with their uh, roster that year. Uh, start bench cut these World Series, Little League, College, MLB. Start college, bench MLB, cut Little League, World Series. Same. Uh, start bench cut these concert venues, start bench process cut. A club, a theater, an amphitheater, or an arena? Start an amphitheater, bench an arena. What were the other two options? Is that an interception? Fumble? Colby Whitlock, we're at the four. 28-21, left. Texas Tech takes over at the four-yard line. Uh, club, theater, amphitheater, arena. I guess I'll process theater, cut, club. See, I would start... Start amphitheater. I like that. Bench club. I like the close knit feel. Uh, and then I process arena and cut theater. Even though I love the body Holly Hall. Depends on the kind of music too. If it's softer music, you're probably benching theater. If it's like a rock show, you don't want to be in the Buddy Holly Hall for a rock show. Thank you for answering the question, Rob, and not just asking me. Hey, you're welcome, man. Uh, assume the Big 12 adds Utah, Arizona, and Arizona State. Oh, we already answered this. Pods. Pods. Uh, choose only one pill. Red, be rich. Blue, bring someone back from the dead. Yellow, never feel pain. Black, never catch a disease. Red pill. Red pill. We just scored on the first play of that possession, so now it's 
27-28 with the extra point coming, 310 left. Define rich. Uh, hypothetically, Kyle, you ready? I'm not going to answer this one because I already answered it. Hypothetically, if you owned or worked for an agency that represents multiple student athletes from a specific university, would you then go online and bash said university? Nope. Do you want to expand or? Yeah, I think a lot of what is misunderstood about NIL is that it's not all about the player's personal brand power. Like any individual's personal brand power is elevated by playing at Ohio State or. So like, here's a good example. Take these guys that were playing at Jackson State for Dion. Do they have more visibility, more marketability at Jackson State or at Colorado? Colorado. And even more so if Dion went to Notre Dame and they went from Jackson State to Notre Dame. Same deal, but even more so. So, yeah, you can be a good player and get NIL deals, but you also need a platform in order to do that. And playing at a Power 5 school is certainly a quality platform for many individuals to do that. So even if, like, let's say you represent a player who plays basketball, but not football or vice versa, you don't want to trash to the school because that, the school encompasses both the football team and the basketball team. And you're damaging the perception of the school that I don't want to say employs these student athletes, but basically at this point employs these student athletes. So it's unwise, even if it's not your player at your agency or they don't play the same sport as the players you represent at that school, it's unwise to tarnish the school at all because that, that hurts everybody on the football team, basketball team and baseball team. It's also just an unprofessional look. If I'm a, parent of a high school student that has NIL opportunities, I'm probably not looking at your agency after seeing stuff like that. And if I'm the school, certainly I don't want you around my locker room, around my players. And so don't think it's a good business idea either. Certainly not a good business idea. But that was just a hypothetical, right? Yeah, hypothetically. Uh, Now that the Big 12 has added Utah and Arizona State to go along with Arizona and Colorado – what is the best course of action for the four remaining Pac-12 schools? Should they keep the conference intact and add more schools? So the other Virginia quarterback is now back in the game after the other one fumbled. So uh, I guess he's good enough to play, healthy enough to play. Well, after that uh, fumble slash interception, you got to get somebody else in there. But they go three and out, so neither quarterback is working for him. They're about to punt it away to – Punted away to Danny Amendola with about two minutes left here in the fourth quarter. Tied at 28. Danny, Danny, Danny. Uh, what was the question, Rob? What should the remaining four do? Yep. Um, honestly, Cal should probably just stop playing football. Stanford could go independent if they wanted and just, should. you know, play non-con games there in the region, play Notre Dame. And then Oregon State, Washington State should probably go to the Mountain West. Oregon State to the Big 12? I don't think I want that at this juncture. And now Big Hen is going to get on my ass because I suggested adding Oregon State and Washington State like six months ago. But if you'll recall, that was to try to 
force the dominoes like Colorado did. And I would have taken them back then if it meant blowing up the Pac-12, but Pac-12 has now been blown up. And in hindsight, the better course of action was patience. But now that you're at 16 with four additions that are better than Oregon State, I, I wouldn't go back to them now. 30 it's kind of like, you know. 30-yard punt, sorry. I'll take this girl to the prom if it's the day before and I have no other options. But like a month out, if I get a different date to the prom, then I don't need to ask this other girl out to the prom. Did we just fumble it again? They tried. 90 seconds left, and we're about to be faced with, what, third and one? Third and one. Just a botched handoff. And Chris Long was right there again. Let's see. Is Leach throwing it or running it on third and one here? Running it. Well, you're a savant. The handoff is already happening for those just listening. Um, do you want to? Do you have a favorite beer paint scheme in NASCAR? If I hold them up, can you see them? Um, I could just go from memory. the 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 red number eight Budweiser that Dale Jr. used to drive in the early two thousands. It, it's probably not the best paint scheme, but it's the one I like most because of the nostalgia. And he was my favorite driver. Um, King of one beer. Of his, one of his biggest career wins was same kind of color scheme and everything, but it was more white than red. He won the Coca-Cola uh, or the Coke 400 at Daytona uh, the summer after his dad passed away at the same track. Uh, that was kind of a white paint scheme on the Budweiser car. Rusty Wallace had some cool ones like black and, and dark blue Miller Lite number two. Yeah, I, I don't I, I like those better than the Royal Blue Miller Lite from kind of like the late 2000s before they went back to the retro white Miller Lite branding. I think those are still okay, but I'd, I'd probably put Dale Jr.'s red car up there and then the Rusty Wallace number two from like late 90s, early 2000s. And then the Sterling, Sterling Marlin had a good silver Coors Light paint scheme. That one's pretty good. I probably like that 40? one better than the new Miller Lights. What? The number 40? It sounds about right. I thought it was like 38 or 36, but it might have been 40. There's a silver 40 Coors Light car here. Yeah, that's probably the one. There's a 12 Miller Genuine Draft High Life. That looks like from the 80s, though. That would have been... I think that was Daryl Waltrip, but I could be wrong. I wouldn't swear 12. to it. I don't remember. Alex Trelika lining up for a game-winning field goal here. Seven seconds left at the 20-yard line. 40-yard attempt. Look at that chin strap. That's what we had in high school. You don't see that anymore. <laughs> Snap, hold. Good. It's good. The dog pile commences. But there's two seconds left. <laughs> So it's 21 to 7. A great comeback here. Graham Harrell hugging his offensive lineman on the sideline. It was just 21 7, right? Because the Amendola. 
The Amendola touchdown made it 21-14? Yeah. What did I say? I thought you said 28-7, but I might. I thought I said 21. I've seen the still image of that photo where he's, like, falling back with his arms up. Yeah. I think that was our 30 days till kickoff picture. Yeah, so this was one year after the Insight Bowl comeback. So this 14 points in the last seven and a half minutes is nothing compared to that. But two years in a row, you kind of pull the rabbit out of your hat. All right. Let's get this mailbag on. Uh, this is from Johnny Canzano. <laughs> Uh, if you were in charge of determining the divisions for the new Pack 4 would you go north-south with Washington State, Oregon State, and Stanford Cal, or would you get more creative? I would get more creative and go um, maybe public versus private. So you'd have a pot of three public schools versus Stanford, and they – Public versus private? Uh, who fumbled the ball harder, George Klyavkov or the lady at Bud Light? Who's the lady at Bud Light? <laughs> the uh, <laughs> the marketing lady. Oh, uh, their sales are really bad. I've been reading a lot about that. But Klyavkov has killed a conference. Yeah, yeah. So Bud Light or Anheuser Busch made up for because they have so many other beer brands. Yeah. So basically. People quit buying Bud Light, but they still have like their same global share from selling Michelob and Modelo and all that. So they actually, I mean, they killed the Bud Light brand, but their other beers doing just fine. So I'll say Kliafkoff. Same. Uh, who's the most glaring omission from the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Zach Thomas was one of them. I'd have to look at who's eligible now. EJ Holub. I think he deserves some consideration for sure. Is Randy Moss in yet? Um, if not, he will be. Terrell Owens. Did he get in? I think so. He should definitely be in. He's top five at his position. He might be top three at his position. Top two. Who's number one? Randy Moss. You have Jerry Rice third? Yeah. That's a hot take. Jerry ran a 4-8. I mean, I have Jerry Ross two. Or uh, um, Jerry Rice two. Who's your number one? Moss. Okay. I look at Moss and I'm like, dude, if he played for a franchise like the 49ers with Joe Montana and Steve Young for his entire career, like look at his one year with Brady and Brady's yeah. prime. And like his seasons with Dante Culpepper just lobbing him deep balls. But there was dysfunction later with the Vikings and he was like just rotting away with the Raiders doing absolutely nothing. So I imagine, like, if he was in Bill Walsh's offense with the 49ers and that crew, like, people think Jerry Rice is good. Randy Moss would have otherworldly numbers. I mean, he did have them, and he wasn't in that system. 
which picador is most likely to wake up missing clothing in a field in Wyoming in four weeks? Oh man. Um, it's gotta be Maddie, right? Based on the Texas bull missing clothing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Based on the Texas bull, we'll go Maddie. Just keep, no, your, phone. Just keep your phone in your pocket. I don't have a ton of, you know, prior evidence to work off of, but. Uh, start bench process cut for sandwiches. A vertical cut, a diagonal cut, no cut, or horizontal cut? Diagonal. Easy. Uh, so start diagonal and then cut vertical, uh, bench vertical, because then it's at least still symmetrical. But if you cut horizontal, you'd have the rounded cross on one side of the sandwich and then the squared off on the other. So it's not symmetrical, so I'm cutting that. And you're cutting, cutting, no cut. I thought you asked me diagonal, vertical, horizontal. And then a process of no cut. Oh, okay. Yes. I don't cut my sandwiches. I don't either. But so most places... Well, like, if I'm making it, yeah, I don't. there's no need to cut it. But like, if you go to a restaurant, like a deli and order a sandwich, they usually cut it. Right. I'm going diagonal if somebody else is cutting it. What I absolutely hate, if this was a five-parter, which I forgot what the fifth one was. Red shirt. Yeah, so it'd be start bench, red shirt... Red shirt would be the horizontal cut. Process would be... Uh, anyway. The one I would fire into the sun is when delis cut it in quadrants and you get this little bitty... I hate that. Yeah. Like, that's not enough that. for me to grip the sandwich and, like, then the toppings start falling out. It's horrible. You have to force it into one bite. Yeah, it's, like, taller than... Yeah, it's not. that's not a good way to cut a sandwich. Uh, let's see. I don't understand this question. I'm skipping it. Uh, which picador is most likely to look like Tim Anderson in a brawl? That's the dude that got knocked out? Yeah. Man. On an ugly punch. A straight arm right hook that was just flailed. Yeah, he must have just got him in, like, the exact right spot. Yeah. I'll say... Big Hen after doing an Oklahoma drill with Chase. Big Hen's getting knocked out. Yeah. He's going to start a fight with Chase after he gets his ass whipped in the... Is that what you're saying? No, during the Oklahoma drill. During the Oklahoma drill. Yes, Chase will knock him out. Uh, start bench cut, Tony Altimore, George <laughs> Klavkov, and Johnny Canzano. I'm starting George Klavkov by a mile, and here's why. He was getting paid millions to try to spin this, and so I can like almost even respect it. Benching Canzano, because he at least never just completely defiled himself by using terms like 12 anon, but he's terrible, don't get me wrong. But Altimore is in a league of his own, so I'll cut Altimore. Agreed. Chase says Big Hen is getting arm barred and Little Hen has to watch. <laughs> oh, man. All right. We are the, uh, what was it, the Meineke Car Care Bowl. What did we just watch? The Gator Bowl? Goodyear Classic. Goodyear Classic Gator Bowl. Whatever it was. Do we have anything on the uh, Big 12 hotline? Any text we want to read? 
Uh, I don't think we got anything new. We're going to have to if, – if John Wilner starts covering the Big 12 and he has the Big 12 hotline, uh, we've got that trademarked. And so we'll – We'll call, we'll call Barnett Howard and Williams if we have to, if he tries to launch the Big 12 hotline. Yeah, nothing new. Baltimore is going on Shears' podcast next week, according to the comments. I'm excited for that. So I, I've been DMing with um, an Arizona guy. I think we're going to go on his podcast. And he swears to me that Baltimore is like a really nice guy and that he has this whole Twitter persona that isn't him at all. And that like, I don't buy it. And honestly, I don't care if you're, if it's all an act, like you still disparaged a lot of people. Yeah. You were, de- you were demanding apologies from people that you should be apologizing to. So it was like, even if he's not that way, I'm a big believer in like, if you screwed up in a certain forum, you have to make right in the same forum. So like, if I, if I say something in private that wasn't supposed to get out about you, like I'm going to apologize in private. If I'm blasting you on Twitter, then like I owe you an apology on Twitter, like in the same public forum. Do you blast me in private? Yes, all the time. Anyone who will listen. Uh, happy birthday to Joey McGuire, 806, born in the lab. Built in a lab for Texas Tech football. Joey McGuire, happy birthday to you, man. Should we sing? No. Yeah, I didn't think so. All right, final thoughts? Big 12 hotline? There wasn't anything in there. We don't have anything on the Big 12 hotline? No, we didn't uh, We didn't offer it up, I don't think. We need to tweet that out more. We do. This would have been a great week for it. Yep. Damn. I'm going to get some more calls from uh, Wildcat Willie Winslow. <laughs> Whatever his name was. We need to clip that and put it out. I'll do that tonight. We're at uh, 97 minutes of us, almost to 100. We got to get there. Love that. 98 now. Do you have any final thoughts? No, I, I think I've said it all during this episode. All right, I'll cut it short then. Whatever the mind of man can conceive and believe, it can achieve. Mm. Is that a Brett Yormark quote? No, that's another Norwegian prophet. Actually, no, I have a I have a better final thought. That actually reminds me. For work this week, I went to Big 12 country, a.k.a. Salt Lake City. Kind of an interesting place to be as all this was going on, by the way, because I was like, I'm like passing Ute logos and restaurant windows and all this. Um, Salt Lake City, very scenic. It's like a the city is flat, but right behind the city is a huge mountain range, just like on all sides. So it was awesome. At the Salt Lake City Airport, I saw BYU, Utah, Arizona. Saw a Texas Tech polo in a bar in Salt Lake City. Talk to him? No, I uh, was going to, and he was, like, gone um, a minute after I saw him. So, anyway, but I uh, really enjoyed the people there. Specifically, I went to the Mormon Temple Square that they have in Salt Lake City. It was like a five-minute walk from our hotel. And I don't think you can actually go into the temple itself unless you're a member of the 
LDS church, which I'm not, but they have something called an assembly hall and they had another building. It looked like a church, but I guess it wasn't like the official temple. And anyone is welcome to come in. It's open to the public. They played really beautiful music for us. The architecture is absolutely beautiful. And then also on the temple square, they have a library where it's also open to the public for free. You can search. Uh, the Mormon church has like their own version of ancestry.com. And so they're like, yeah, just search for one of your ancestors and like, we'll see if he's in the system. I was like, okay. So I look up my great grandfather, who was the first person on my dad's side to come to the United States from Norway. And he was in there. He had a profile and there's like all these supporting documents. So people upload like images of their grandparents or, and there's in, in my great grandfather's profile, there was a 1930 census that was filled out for his household, a 1940 census, um, some military draft documents. And so I got, I didn't know this about my great grandfather, but he's listed on the census as being a, an iron worker. And, uh, you know, so like that, it's, it's, it sounds very mundane. Like you ask people all the time, what do you do for a living? But it's kind of special to you to learn that about your own ancestors that you didn't know what they did for a living. My grandfather and his twin brother were both drafted after Pearl Harbor. And they both enlisted in the military at, I think they were like 5'8", 140 pounds. So like not terribly menacing dudes. But, you know, they were like poor farm kids from Minnesota. So they didn't have a lot to eat or anything growing up. So just seeing stuff like that and that they were employed by the railroad at the time they were drafted was really cool. Um, I could spend hours on this database. Um, so anyway, my final thought is that I was very thankful for the hospitality of the Mormon church specifically that they kind of walked me through, taught me how to use that website. And now I can, when I have more time later, go look up other people on my dad's side, my mom's side. So it was really cool. You know, you and I were already jacked to go to Provo which is 45 minutes, an hour away from Salt Lake City. But with Utah also coming, Salt Lake City will be a fun road trip. And I would encourage people to to visit if they can, because I thought it was really cool and looking forward to them being in the conference with us. Our mutual friend uh, called me this afternoon and was asking why you hadn't answered him. And I said you were traveling this week. Well, he didn't ask me anything. He just texted out of the blue. He's like, oh, so you don't respond anymore? I was like, well, you didn't. There's nothing for me to respond to. Uh, anyways but yeah I was out of town you have to give him a call alright that's all yeah. I got cool love y'all